United States submarine base at Key West, Florida. A dispatch that quoted President Truman's press secretary, Charles Cross, as saying that President Truman has no knowledge of any secret project by this government that would give substance to the existence of such objects. Cross also said that both the Air Force and the Navy deny that such objects exist. Hey, what's up? How's it going? It's been better. <laughs> this is a tough one to come off of Patreon and pretend like we were just screaming for 45 minutes. Yeah, that tends to be like all of Patreon though, so I guess it's yeah. just part for the course. This one was extra special. Right. By extra special, I mean extra terrible. Um, and speaking of extra terrible... Hey, what's up? My name is Noelle, and I am simply not having a good time. I'm Chelsea. I have been texted by televangelists all damn day. How's that going? It's going great. Um, I... This is about the free napkin, yeah? I think... I don't know. So I got a text message that said, hey, hello, God bless you. I said, hey, thanks. Did you say, hey, I haven't sneezed? (laughs) <laughs> I said, hey, thanks. Who's this? And it said, this is Pastor Brian with Apostle Taylor. And I Who the said, fuck is Apostle Taylor? I don't fucking know, man. Sick. I'm going to ask, though. I said, how's it going? Pastor Brian, the Presbyterian? And, he, and then I'm with Apostle Taylor. And I said, Apostle T. Taylor for Typhoid Taylor. Nice. The soup. And they said, hello, Brother Charles. And I said, brothers, howdy. I said, they haven't responded yet. What? They haven't responded? They just, it's just like an FBI call. They just needed you on the line yeah, for a certain amount say, of time so they could track your location. Are we here to talk about Jesus? I give my number out at the gym a lot. That's a good reply. Thank you. I can't wait to see what so they're going to like, say about that. What a strong man. Uh, <laughs> oh, but I hope so. I still also hope that we get those. Prayer napkins. I've got really nothing. important to me. Yeah, they yeah. Seems me. like seems like a bit <laughs> of a scam. <laughs> yeah, I know. I told you that it's like so weird to experience it because I was like, oh, these people will, you know, message for their free cloth, and then it's they got their foot in the door. Now I'm getting text messages. Mm-hmm. Also, like a week later to the day because we did it this time last week. Like, what the fuck are you guys yeah. doing? I know it, you're not praying this whole time. Yeah, they did reply and they said yes. I'm just going to say, excellent. Um, Ask them about the free prayer napkins. Tell them, tell them, make up a real good juicy story, but make it weird. Be like, I was cooking up some methamphetamine to be able to pay for my 17th hip replacement when my trailer blew up. And I've been anxiously waiting by the mailbox every day for the past seven days for my prayer napkin hold on i took what you said and i kind of twisted it a little bit yeah twisted Uh, yeah put your own spin on it yeah excellent i've been struggling with some addictions and i feel like people protesting roe v wade has really pushed me over the edge been waiting on my prayer cloth say waiting by the mailbox for the last seven days for my prayer cloth i've been praying about it but it seems like those are unanswered I have a feeling it's because I don't have the prayer cloth. I've been praying about it, but it's hard to know if God hears me Mm -hmm. with through the mask. Yep. Through the mask. Yeah. Good. Without the prayer cloth. This is so weird too, because it feels so sneaky because like as someone, you know, who has gone to church and filled out prayer forms, they just go, Thank you. They take your little card and then they don't fucking bother you ever again. <laughs> uh, to take my phone number and tell me twice that you're with a typhoid tailor. Mm-hmm. With, but they wouldn't even. I was like typhoid tailor with the soup. They didn't reply. That's rude, man. Well, because they want to keep it open ended. Yeah. It's you know what I mean. It's uh, you know crowd work. Keep it vague right. so you don't give anyone knows. It's smart. Yeah. They know what they're doing. So, speaking of. Yeah, speaking of... Speaking of, today is the end of televangelism. Not literally, unfortunately, just in our world, hopefully. Yeah. Unless another motherfucker comes out of the goddamn cracks of the earth and ruins my life, um, this is it. And um, I did 
take a different spin on this because we deserve it. Um, but I still tried to stay objective. So let's get into it. Let's do it. James Orson Baker was born January 2nd, 1940 in Muskegon. That sounds right, right? It doesn't sound wrong. It's true. Michigan. In Michigan. <laughs> he, is, <laughs> he is the son of Raleigh Baker and what did you think this is? Fernia? I'd like to say Fernaya. Fernaya. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Fern. Oh, Fernaya's. Yeah, she went by Fern. Doesn't matter. Um, Lynette Irwin. They raised him in the fundamentalist assemblies of God Church, which is the largest domination of Pentecostal Christianity today. So let's take a second to talk about Pentecostals. Like other forms of evangelical Christianity, Pentecostalism emphasizes the work of the Holy Spirit through direct experience or miracles and the presence of God by the believers. They are pretty close to biblical literalists and believe if you are, quote, born again by repenting your sins and accepting Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, you will live a spirit-filled and empowered life. And baby, do they mean it literally? Because this empowerment includes spiritual gifts such as speaking in tongues and divine healing. So if you're thinking about the people who um, wiggle and whirl on the ground, speaking in a not real language, you are thinking about Pentecostals. Yep. <clears throat> I want to... Can you speak in tongues? I want to hear what it would sound like if you did it. Me? Yeah. Well, here's the thing. So, <clears throat> if my version of speaking in tongues probably doesn't sound as cool as their version of, um, like, speaking in tongues, because they say it, and they, and they kind of go at it with, like, a Latin origin. Whereas, yeah. like, mine is more closer to baby gibberish. Mine would be like, it's more like scatting, I guess. It would be more like <laughs> scatting. Like a caveman yelling at someone or yeah, trying to explain, I mean. like, a coffee pot. Yeah. Um, well, that's true. I think I think speaking in tongues is just baby gibberish. They're not speaking Latin. Yeah. But, but you know, like, when they do it, sometimes, or at least the ones that they put on the screen, they give a yeah. good show. They put on a show. Right. Um, whereas, whereas mine's just, like, bad scatting. Um, what does your sound like? Will you speak in tongues? Know. So there, yeah, so there's a drag queen that was on RuPaul's Drag Race named June Jambalaya. And so mm -hmm. now I, I, I find that if I were speaking in tongues, it would be like, June Jambalaya, <laughs> Okay. I see what you're saying. Yeah. Yours is more of like an incantation, I feel like. It also kind of sounds like uh, people who have really thick Irish accents a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> like a, a co what is that a cockney accent or cockney, is that british yeah. yeah i think it's i don't know it's one of those it's 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 know, like the tiktoks where they're like say you're going to the store like hi sapaka lotapata you're like what, what the fuck did, did he say, say? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah that that you know yeah. different interpretations either yeah. way yeah. it's made up and it doesn't matter <laughs> so <laughs> Pentecostals tend to see their movement as reflecting the same kind of spiritual power and teachings that were found in the apostolic age, which is the period of time from the death of Jesus until the death of the last of the 12 uh, apostles. So needless to say, they got a pretty big head about themselves. <laughs> mm -hmm. And um, for this reason, some Pentecostals also use the term apostolic or full gospel to describe their movement um one of the funnest parts about christianity is no matter what version you're looking at everyone thinks they're the one that's right and surprise yeah. someone's got to be wrong and in my humble opinion it's all yeah anyway jim was self-described and i want to really highlight self-described because no one other than himself said this as a visionary dreamer and he also wasted no time leaving home in that small paper mill town of Muskegon, Michigan, for Minneapolis, fresh out of high school in 1959. He attended North Central University, which is a Minneapolis Bible college affiliated with the Assemblies of God. So the Pentecostal movement, you know, have fun mm -hmm. with that education. Um, 
And in the documentary, Through the Eyes of Tammy Faye, um, they pull the story from his 1996 autobiography, I Was Wrong, saying that, quote, he wanted to be a radio DJ and loved Fats, Domino, and Little Richard. But then as a high school senior, he was in a car with a girl singing along to Fats on the radio when he ran over a little boy who was seriously injured. And he promised God that if the boy recovered, he would give up rock and roll and devote his life to spreading the word. Um, well, you know. Surprise. Running down children in cars. Surprise. This version of events, according to a 1989 report in the Chicago Tribune, is not entirely truthful. The accident happened two years before he said it did when he was 16, and he was in the car with his cousin George, not a girl. And friends and relatives do not recall a dramatic conversion or sudden rejection of rock and roll. It wasn't until the following October when Jim was conducting religious rallies aimed at teens that he started telling his friends he wanted to become a traveling evangelist. Jim sparked a lifelong habit for flashy fundraising at North Central University, where he helped put together and started and starred in a 15-act vaudeville-style benefit show for his school paper. Hmm. This vaudeville, is also where, huh? yeah, vaudeville, yeah, yeah. It, it Isn't was that the 40s. like the Dash and Glam, like, hey, like yeah. uh, Chicago and stuff is like kind of vaudeville, right? Yeah, I would like vaudeville. Uh, the thing is, is like, I try to imagine what a vaudeville style show looks like at a um, Pentecostal evangelical college. Yeah. And um, my, my brain has a hard time wrapping around it because like vaudeville is like hurly burly. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's, it's uh, 1930s uh, magicians acrobats jugglers singers dancers um a little bit of light burlesque if you will um you know it it's uh it's not what i'd call uh god god like maybe i'd say i i just like i would love to know what it actually looked like because <laughs> like a vaudeville style show is is anything but um aligned with evangelicals if you know what i'm saying yeah um but he did it so yeah he did great this, yeah apparently he, he did, did awesome um this is also where he met tammy Faye. so let's talk about that talk about her tammy Faye lavallee was born in International Falls, Minnesota, on March 7, 1942, to Pentecostal preacher, preachers Rachel Minnie Fairchild and Carl Oliver Lavallee. Her parents were married in 1941, and shortly after she was born, they went through a painful divorce that resulted in her mom being absolutely shunned by their former church. Dude, and her mom, like, carried the weight of that so hard that it was uh, pretty heartbreaking, actually, just... She, her mom would say stuff like the only reason they even let me in because I'm like a whore and a harlot is because I know how to play piano. Like her mom really got mistreated by religion and yet stuck by it. So yeah, freshly. Yeah. Well, I mean like um, their, their town was either like 2000 or 6,000 population. It was really fucking small and it was completely Pentecostal evangelical. Yeah. Um, and, and so that was it. It didn't like, that's why she herself, Tammy's mom, like was a self-proclaimed harlot. You know what I mean? And she was like, I deserve to be spit on by the community. And I am so thankful and grateful that they've let me back in. Yeah. Um, and Tammy was definitely seen as like a bit of a black mark on, um, on her mom's record because she was a child of divorce and in the eyes of God, divorce is not it and now you've got this like essentially bastard child like it's not it was not the vibe they it was a terrible fucking time like her yeah childhood was horrifically tumultuous because of it and she um like experienced deep religious mistreatment um, yeah and i it clearly like framed what her entire life was going to be like because she was so ostracized like she wasn't even allowed to come to church and she wanted to go so badly and then when she finally spoke in tongues, like in the, you know, the 
through the eyes of Tammy Faye Baker, people were like, this girl's a miracle. She's a gift. And that was when she was finally accepted. So of fucking course she would run to religion and then want to be a part of that because that's the only thing that got her a foot in the door with mm-hmm. this hyper-religious community. Because she was like, what, 10 or 11 and nobody spoke to, her, spoke to her and they treated her like a ghost. And then she yeah. starts speaking in tongues one day and they're like, bless this child, miracle of God. Yeah, yeah, she was 10. So <clears throat> both of Perry, Tammy's parents remarried um, and she stayed with her mom who remarried Fred Willard Grover. Um, and they formed a pretty large blended family where she was the oldest of eight and helped raise these kids. The home they live in was modest, to say the least, packed with all these kids and no indoor plumbing. And like Chelsea was saying, at age 10, she went to a prayer meeting at her mother's Pentecostal church. There, she made the decision to pray into her heart. Tammy said, quote, For hours, I lay on the floor and spoke in an unknown language. I was unaware of anyone else. I was walking with Jesus. And this is from her first book, I Gotta Be Me, published in 1978. Ever since that prayer meeting, her desire was to become a minister. I also want to note here that in high school, Tammy starred in her production of Oklahoma, was elected queen of her Bible camp twice, and was super active in choir through high school and college. After high school, she went to North Central Bible College in Minneapolis in 1960, where, as mentioned before, she met Jim Baker. He was her hall monitor in her dorm. Mm-hmm. And just a visual reminder here for those who have an idea of what Tammy Faye looks like. Um, the Tammy Faye that we're talking about right now in this time period is a little visually different than the one you might see in our mind's eye. Um, remember, she was raised to believe that wearing makeup was a one-way ticket to hell, so she didn't even have lipstick on yet. And according to her 1996 Mar Tammy telling it my way, you will notice we um, I'm going to be referencing a lot of books. My girl was writing. Um, on their first date, Jim took her to church. He told her his dream of starting a ministry. And at the end of the date, he confessed, Tammy Lavalle, I have loved you ever since the minute I saw you walk into school. And then he asked her to marry him. Two weeks later, they were officially engaged on what was technically the end of their third date. It's pretty par for the course for Dude, uh, our state. That's not weird at all. I know for, for the for, for the Mormons, that's pretty normal. But also, this is like now the second um, like televangelist couple who um, got married either by the end of their first date or shortly thereafter. Yeah, because so, they want to be want to be boinking. I mean, true. <laughs> I mean, um, you don't want to wait. That's what yeah. happens is usually by like what the rule, the quote, the rules in the ether that I heard growing up was like third date. Is was that a rule? I mean, I guess it's, it could be a rule. It could, anything it's like, rule. don't put out on the first date and then you can kiss them on the second date. And then if they buy you dinner on the third date, just the simple, you know, rules of misogyny that dictates when or women are allowed to put out. Can I say, admit, ask. I never knew what the base's values were. When someone said I made it, I like we went to first base. Like, what is that? I think first base is just like, let's figure it out together. Because now okay. I'm not sure. First, first base of all, has to be kissing, right? Wait, how many bases are there? Four. First, That's second, it? third, and home. Yeah. Oh, my God. So we only have four things. And, yeah. and, and we'll say home is anal. Like home is just full on intercourse, yeah. So okay. first, well, that doesn't even sound like, but but that's not even the end of the end of the goal. You know what I mean? And I thought Christians only did anal because God can't see your butthole. Well, that's only if you're not married. Okay, but like so, first base, I think is just like literally just making out, making out. Okay, I think second, second base, base is feeling each other up, but heavy petting, clothes. heavy petting. heavy petting, and dry humping. Um, and then third base mm-hmm. is like maybe digital penetration, but not full on like intercourse. What do you mean digital? Are you trying to say like, like uh, fingering, cunnilingus? Um, sure, or like uh, like a toss hand and job. salad? 
tossing salad would be penetration of a sexual organ. So I think that that you would be You don't have to base. stick your tongue all the way in. You could just, you know, do a little rimmy. Yeah, maybe if you're just using your you tongue. You could do a I little guess. rusty trombone, if you know what I'm saying. Yeah, so. <laughs> but I okay. think those are the bases with fourth so, base being actual So third, third is uh, mouth, tongue, hands. Y- yeah, it's it's hands in the pants, I think. Or maybe a foot job. Sure. I mean, we can be creative. It's 2022. And then fourth base or home is sex penetration. Yeah, I guess I shouldn't say like sex, sex. Yeah, penetration. Um, Vaginal or anal penetration. Yeah, I would say so. Like, I would count anal as sex. Absolutely. That's such a weird loophole that I never. Well, I think that Christians think that anal is uh, in, in third base category, but. I could be incorrect. I don't fucking know, man. I, since I was actually raised by parents who loved me and gave me sexual education, I know that anal is also sex. So, <laughs> uh, shout out to my parents. What is holding hands? Holding that's hands my, that's my favorite base. First base. <laughs> uh, well, I feel like this would have been really good information to have known about before. So... What is complimenting each other? Um, I think that's going to practice. I don't think you're even like warm ups. Yeah, it's like warm ups. That's maybe like t ball batting practice. Okay. Yeah, hmm. it makes sense. Okay, um, but initially, I don't know how to describe like if their relationship wasn't built on a lie. Initially, their early relationship was very sweet because he treated her very well and respectfully. Mm-hmm. And she was just so fucking in love with him. Like, it was one of those where, like, he can do no wrong. And she was absolutely in his corner. And then the reciprocity of him being in her corner early on mm-hmm. was really admirable. Because he loved that she speak- she spoke out. He loved the way that she wanted to be involved in the ministry. Because keep in mind, like, even today, when very few religions allow women to be as involved in the ministry as what she was. Mm-hmm. Um, and he allowed it and he supported <clears throat> it. So it was a very sweet, harmless relationship for Tammy starting out. Yeah, for sure. I think it's, um, you know, it's it's an unfortunate story that we are always, we always keep seeing and are always told about yeah. how, like, you know money power fame it mm-hmm. corrupts people and that definitely is what ends up happening to um yeah. to him but jim and tammy were both interested in performing and north central allowed them to can like connect that to their religious upbringing so they finally got to like mesh these two worlds together they married on april 1st 1961 so just like a year after meeting Jim's family disapproved of the marriage and did not go to the wedding. Um, Tammy's family didn't have the funds to attend. And Jim's family was disapproving in the sense of how we would be disapproving and saying, like, you literally just met her. <laughs> and it wasn't they like out of college to get married. It was like yeah. a problem. <laughs> yeah, they and they yeah, it was a big fucking problem. And they said that they didn't know, but it was like pretty well known that you would be thrown out of school. Because their their college had a strict rule that no one was allowed to marry before graduating. Which is, I think, a uh, pretty admirable rule, man. Uh, I know. It's pretty interesting because, pretty like... feminist, you know? Because, like, it's protecting girls as education. Um, it sucks that they are getting kicked out. Mm-hmm. But... Well, I, I like to... I like the rose-colored lenses you put on to think that it's about... Um, preserving women's education I, when that's it's, what I want it to be yeah when it's more for sure um, just making sure they can continue to proselytize as many people as possible and not get them pulled away to start a family but I like your interpretation so <laughs> <laughs> will you shut me up you know, I, was, I didn't even think about that they wanted to pay tuition they wanted to pay their $40 yeah. a semester yeah <laughs> yeah that bit that those big dollars spent yeah. back in the fucking sixties. Um, <clears throat> so after a brief stint working as youth ministers at the Minneapolis Evangelical Auditorium, they left Minneapolis to work as traveling preachers. 
Jim preached while Tammy sang songs and played the accordion. They struggled in those first years, making next to no money, even getting paid with like odds and ends. One time a chicken, which they did not eat. Tammy kept it as a pet. She's a fucking sweetheart, man. I know. It's hard to hate her. But they didn't stop. And um, Tammy was doing like funny, silly puppet shows back at the youth ministries. Um, And she picked it up again for kids like on the road. And according to her book, Tammy, tell you my way, a visiting preacher from North Carolina approached them and said, quote, Jim and Tammy, God has spoken to me. The Lord has a divine plan for the two of you. End quote. He told them he wanted them to work for him in North Carolina. That'd be so sick. Imagine someone being like, I will give you a job in North Carolina and you can just live on the coast and enjoy the ocean and... You don't have a college degree? Doesn't matter. Right? Oh, He just God. liked their gusto. Or he saw a young couple, multi-talented, multi-faceted, that he could easily um, pry upon and, you exploit. know, exploit. But, yeah. you know, again, pick the color lenses you want to put on today. Um So they became popular among the Assemblies of God churches and were paid to visit and minister at other churches. And from those connections, in 1965, they met American demon himself, Pat Robertson, as you remember, who ran CBN or the Christian Broadcasting Network. Mm -hmm. Robertson offered to turn the couple's puppet show ministry into a children's television show. Um, Jim accepted on the condition that if it was successful, he'd be allowed to create late, a late night type show for Christians. And it was successful, really successful, but it was something that the two of them did together. Yeah. And when Tammy became pregnant, it became the perfect point for Jim to sink his own ship and allow for that late night type Christian show to be born. Um, what we would now know as something called the 700 club mentioned previously in this series and still going strong today yeah unfortunately depending on who you ask it was pat pushing them out and wanting the spotlight back or jim wanting more of it either way jim and tammy stood before robertson weeping on their last episode tammy had just belted out her last song jim had read a passage from corinthians Robert stepped forward to present them silver tea service, saying, quote, for your seven years of faithful service to the Christian Broadcasting Network, end quote. And according to an Esquire article, this is a direct quote from it, <clears throat> their next endeavor cemented the Bakers as televangelist mainstays. In 1974, they founded the PTL, or Praise the Lord Club, that carried the televised production of Tim of Jim and Tammy Faye's preaching and evangelizing. Okay. So PTL let's talk reminds about me P- of CTR. Really? Doesn't PTL be- reminds me of PTO. Oh, I just hear like PTL and then CTR for those of you CTR don't know, is choose, choose the, right. the right. It's a, it's a Mormon thing for women. It's for keeping sweet. Yep. You know it. So Tammy and Jim created their show, The PTL Club, where they preached to their viewers something we are now very familiar with called the prosperity gospel. And for those who need a refresher, it's giving your money to them. God will reward you with more financial and physical wealth. Mm -hmm. Between money miracles and telethons, PTL was bringing in hundreds of millions of dollars in revenue. And also keep in mind, like, they're... Jim and Tammy are like, they're not crusty old white men. They're fun. So they're like skyrocketing in popularity. He was, he was, um, he was also, I don't want to say a breath of fresh air, but he really was a breath of fresh air because you have these dudes coming on TV with, you know, their crisp ties and everything and then you get this dude up there with his wife who jokes with her and he's having a good time mm-hmm. and he genuinely 
he gets bastardized in the end in there, but like he cared about what they were doing and he cared that his wife had a part of it. And that mm-hmm. genuine nature of what they were trying to build did resonate in the beginning. And that's what I think made them more successful because they were a breath of fresh air. Like people want to see that. They don't want to see Tucker Carlson screaming at him every day. They want yeah. fucking fun young people. Yeah. Puppets. Everyone if, loves puppets. Who doesn't love a puppet? Honestly, most children actually, I think. But um <laughs> like you're you're completely right. In the beginning, it was like it was Jim and Tammy, and it was yeah. like a young ish couple who just loved each other and loved teaching and preaching the gospel in a very um friends in your living room type of way, not crusty old man screaming type of way. Right. So it was no surprise that they got pretty popular. And um, Jim began expanding their studios to multiple buildings that became known as Heritage Village. And the money didn't stop. They began to expand the Heritage Production Compound into an amusement park called Heritage USA. According to religionandpolitics.com, Heritage USA combined the baker's growing televangelism empire with theme park hedonism, offering an immersive experience in the sights, sounds, and practices of American conservative evangelicalism. Okay, well, those websites really need to be separated. Religionandpolitics.com. Good one. Hedonism? Is that something you want associated with your Christian park? Well, I mean, think about it. It's it's six flags. The pursuit of mini- pleasure and sensual self-indulgence. I was watching Bad Girls Club and they went to a club called Hedonism. So I'm yeah. like, is that so good? But you know, well, no, like you know? no, it, it makes absolutely perfect sense because like it's a perversion uh, of it all, honestly. Like imagine six flags but with a mini Jerusalem and a replica of Billy Graham's childhood home and Passion of the Christ plays because baby that's exactly what the fuck was in Heritage USA so uncomfortable I don't want to I don't but that's hedonism, hedonism. Oh, that's hedonism. So uncomfortable. I just I have a problem with that word well like you it honestly don't mean to be like another boy spoiler, but it reminds me of like their superhero theme park. You're just like, we've gone too far. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that's that's what I think they mean by hedonism because you shouldn't be paying an entry fee to um, ride a roller coaster and then stop into the Jerusalem gift shop <laughs> where where Christ was crucified. It's not that's it hedonism, baby. Yeah, it that's doesn't hedonism. sit right. It doesn't sit right. It gives me um, emotional acid reflux. Yeah, as it should. So spanning 2,300 acres, the park became the third most popular in the U.S. right behind Disneyland and Disney World. Mm-hmm. So fucking successful. <laughs> I can't even think what comes second to Disneyland or Disney World. Universal um, Studios, maybe? Have you been to Universal? It sucks dick. No, I'm I not sure if the one in Florida is any better, but the one in California is a massive disappointment. Well, they'll just let anyone work there. Am I right, Casey Anthony? <laughs> so. Nice one, bro. Thank you. I'm looking for deep cuts today. That was a deep cut. That was, that was for the real ones. That was for the real <laughs> ones. Checking the fuck in. So, um, anyway, you know, number one pro-life advocate, Casey Anthony. Um, so the <laughs> I can't Heritage USA was built by um, famous church builder Ro Messner. Um, remember that name? Who has built more than one thousand seven hundred churches, including several mega churches. And something you might want to also keep in mind: they used two hundred million of PTL funds to fucking build it. Whoops. Um, keep in mind that when they're getting these funds, it's not just like call in to PTL because you like us. It's call into PTL because we're talking about very real issues impacting the world and we're doing a fundraiser via telephone and we, you're expecting your money go to these causes. Yeah. Um, So telethons were sometimes for PTL telethons were sometimes for righteous causes um, telethons were for um, pay to pray. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you've got a prayer, you need an extra herd, tackle a couple dollars onto that. 
Um, so yeah, people I, very much thought their money was going to I mean, other we're, things. We're both children. We're both children of the nineties. Um, some of us have like a little eighties asterisk on there, but it was like PBS where, where it was like, Oh, this is made possible by viewers like you. Yeah. If wishbone, I'm saying this, I'm leaning in. If wishbone would have gotten taken off the fucking air because PBS wanted to build a stupid fucking hedonism theme park, I would <laughs> burn down Washington. Could you I imagine agree. how pissed you'd be? Keep wishbone on the air. I agree. Also, um, as a child of the 90s, I very much so remember the 700 Club. I don't. I really? was protected. Yeah, I don't you. remember this at all. I was too, I was dick deep in watching Wishbone, man. <laughs> I don't. Well, as was I, because it was all on public free access TV. And if you just start flipping through the channels, you would see it. I, man, I watched Mari because we only had the 13 channels. So I it watched was like Maury. literally it went Mari and then it went like Jerry Springer. And then the next channel was the 700 Club. I never saw the 700 Club. It was either. Marty, Maybe the Mormons Judge kept Judy. it out of Utah. Honestly. I wonder if they did. I wonder if it wasn't popular because it would have been directly opposed to They put to fucking, Mormon you know, views. KSL uh, on that channel instead. Yeah, they used to have, that's actually probably it. Because I do remember they would have like women sitting around and being like, we have public events happening. Sick yeah. tea. And it was mind-numbingly dull. Yeah, I bet. I bet they kept it out of Utah because I remember it very specifically because yeah, it had like it. the 700 Club logo in the corner at all times. And it was always an emergency to call in and give them money. I remember that very vividly. Yeah, my introduction to Tammy Faye was RuPaul's Drag Race as yeah. an adult. So, well, we can get into that later. Catch but. Up. <clears throat> so, at the height of PTL, Tammy Faye and Jim were getting dragged for their extravagance. Per the New York Times, they had an air-conditioned doghouses, which is actually kind of cool. I think that's fine, yeah. I think it's but. fine. Gold-plated bathroom fixtures. A little extravagant. Not as much fine. Yeah. And matching Rolls Royces. Unnecessary. Yeah. And, <laughs> unfortunately, Tammy was always dressed up and dripping in fucking gold and diamonds, baby. She what? was iced the yeah. fuck out. Call her fucking Paul Wall. Yeah, what makes me sad, though, is... Um, through the eyes of Tammy Faye, it also it does show her very extravagantly. But she was also, I would say, her love language was gift giving because she also shared that wealth. Like I know it sounds like I'm making <clears throat> excuses for it, and I probably am. Uh, but Tammy Faye, I don't think was greedy. I think she was a poor kid who grew up and finally had fucking money, and she's like, I'm going to use it on me. I'm going to use it on you. I'll use it on your sister. I'll use it on your friends. I'll use it on. You know, like, she'd be like, oh, you're coming to visit me? I'm going to buy you, like, a $5,000 coat just for you taking five minutes out of your yeah. day is how she was spending it. And it was really sad because it just perpetuated the entire, uh, like, her entire childhood of I have to do things to get people to like me outside of just being myself. Yeah. And for her in adulthood, no one really – her own mom didn't even really come around to – it was to criticize her. But then, like, Tammy Faye would, like, give her all of this, you know, luxury. And her mom, for the most part, only took the money because she wanted to piss off the Baptist, which I find hilarious. But it was just, like, she was fucking sharing the wealth. And I don't, you know, it, <clears throat> I don't know. It was sad. I, I mean, it, it's it's tough and it's sad. I will say, objectively, Tammy Faye is definitely um, what we imagine, what any extremely poor person when, and they're uh, and they're horrifically chronically white trash and I say that with peace and love and they come into a fuck ton of money and they do things like inlay their trailer with gold it, it's 100%. just like it's very peace and love Donald Trump of them like Donald Trump yeah. luxury it's it's cheap almost it's silly yeah, yeah. it's um it's, it was very silly the way, like, she would spend her money. Like, it would be in the middle of summer, and she would be in, like, head-to-toe a white mink coat. Yeah. Uh, and they would be like, are you hot? And she's like, I've never been more comfortable. Yeah. Like, all her, like, it, it was the, the theater of her wanting to show people that she finally had made it. Yeah. And 
The unfortunate side of this is like Tammy did have a bit of a shopping addiction and she even on a few occasions would like bring, make comments on, um, on their network on live TV being like shopping is cheaper than therapy. And she'd say things like, um, (laughs) I hope in heaven you get a, a credit card that has no limit. Like it, yeah. it was, it was all very silly and funny, She's but she preaching directly to me, Noel. Yeah. She, she knows who her audience is, but, um, she was, she was funny, but it definitely, she did have a bit of a problem with spending. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it, it was a tough look. Um, and with fame and public perception comes hate and, Tammy was constantly mocked for her makeup. She went from a girl who grew up thinking makeup will make you go to hell to full face, babes, full fucking yeah. face. And it became such, such like a shtick that comedians and late night hosts of the time loved to impersonate Tammy, joking that her crying would lead to thick black streams on her face. And you could even buy t-shirts with that were like slathered with makeup stains on it. And it would say, I ran into Tammy Faye at the mall. It was mean. Yeah. And, um, she, oh, she's such a fucking icon, man. She'd be like, that's all right. Like I actually have photos of my headshots. So if you want to like talk terrible about me, actually, here you go. Maybe this will inspire you. Do you want me to sign it? And she was like, thank you so much. And it was just like hard to hate her because she was just so graciously sweet. Well, yeah. It's just a trademark, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, like, just like any bad bitch in history, she embraced her image and used mm-hmm. it, even if it was like used negatively against her. And um, in her book, Tammy, telling it my way, she said, quote, makeup artists all over the country have tried to get me to take off my eyelashes or quit we- wearing so much mascara. I just laugh and say that would be like Dolly Parton having a breast reduction. <laughs> mm-hmm. When it was suggested that Tammy remove her makeup just for a minute as part of a makeover segment, she refused, declaring, quote, a clown never takes off his makeup, end quote. And per the L.A. Times, if a makeup artist wanted to take off her eyeliner, it would be impossible because in the 90s, she got her eyeliner, eyebrows, and lip liner permanently tattooed on her face. Tammy said, quote, I tattooed around my eyes because I lined them anyway. I tattooed my eyebrows on because they were gone from pulling them out so much. The only thing I wish I wouldn't have done was the lining of my lips. It felt like fire. I thought, man, I don't want to go to hell after that. (laughs) And then just a little fun fact, no matter how rich Tammy became and how much money she spent on everything else, she always preferred to buy her makeup at the drugstore. Queen knows a good dupe. That's it. Every queen knows a good dupe. It's true. And I think these quotes perfectly describe the lovable and unpredictable humor of Tammy. While Jim be- began becoming more like rigid and stuck t- to the traditional televangelist preacher ways, like clenched fists at the screen, mm-hmm. Tammy would often have like tearful outbursts about life struggles and successes, both in the world and about her own personal experiences. Reverend Mel White, a former ghostwriter for preacher Jerry Faldwell, described her appeal as a combination of Martha Stewart, Dr. Joyce Brothers, and Carol Burnett. Quote, she talked about sex and flirted with Jim. She took on the caricature of an obedient wife and blasted it. Mm-hmm. You have never seen Pat Robinson's wife or Jerry Faldwell's wife. They stay at home doing what those wives do. And Yeah, she would talk about like erectile dysfunction. And be like, these are ways to treat it because you want to be happy and you want to have a happy marriage. And this is part of like what happy couples do. And people would be horrified and they'd be like, that's not appropriate to talk about. And she's like, Mm -hmm. I'm just letting people be happy. We should support them. Like in the most like, like, it was almost like she was confused why some of this stuff would be a problem to, you know, these televangelist networks because she was so like but this is life and it's part of life. Like we got to talk about it and like, let people know that God loves them, even though their dick don't work. Yeah. Well, like, and, and her whole thing was, was like, we're a program that also reaches out to married couples. And we think it's important to have like love and, yeah. you know, between a married couple and, you know, that's yeah. what this also could include. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and Tammy provided like sentimental and emotional 
like stories and some like tough stories even. She was noted for her candid discussion of topics that were considered taboo amongst many of the other evangelicals, ranging from, as Chelsea said, penile implants, to acceptance and compassion for the LGBTQ community. At the height of the AIDS epidemic in the mid-1980s, Tammy emotionally interviewed Stephen Peters, I think? There's an I in there. I could be wrong. He is a gay Christian minister, minister, um, who had who had been diagnosed with AIDS on a segment called Tammy's House Party, which was a part of the PTL club. Um, they discussed his sexuality, coming out, being diagnosed with AIDS, and the death of his partner. During the episode, Tammy emotionally addressed her viewership, saying, quote, How sad that we as Christians, who are to be the salt of the earth, we who are supposed to be able to love everyone are afraid so badly of an AIDS patient that we will not go up and put our arm around them and tell them that we care. Well, and she went hard on this segment too. You can see it online, but she was like, are your parents supportive? And he said, yes. And she would like look directly into the camera and be like, that's what good Christian parents do. They love you for who you are and -hmm. they support you through hardships and trials. And the people involved with PTL were mortified. Like even her husband was like, Oh, that's just what Tammy does. Can't control her. And Mm -hmm. this was kind of where you started to see a little bit of the fissures happening because she really was this icon who was talking about stuff that Christians were taught. You don't talk about. And even today, Mm -hmm. like if you're like, I'm a Christian, but I support the LGBTQ community. And that like has to be something that you often say, or it's like, yeah, I'm from Utah but I'm not a Mormon. It's so intertwined. And she was, if imagine if she could have been, um, if people didn't get in her way, the type of like success that this could have had. Yeah. No, a thousand percent. She was ahead of her time. Mm -hmm. And throughout the AIDS epidemic, Tammy advocated for viewers of the PTL club to follow Christ and show compassion and pray for the ill. And she also went on to invite um, drug addicts on the show to interview them about substance abuse. And Tammy faced her own internal pains and struggles as the separations continued to divide them. Like Jim became more distant and just straight up started to ignore her almost completely. And this is when um, Tammy like had a bout with pneumonia, had some issues with muscle relaxers, and one thing after another, she began to struggle with a pill addiction and was forced into treatment. Well, and this was also at the time, um, <clears throat> this is like the predecessor to the opioid, opioid crisis, where mm-hmm. it's like, this is a miracle pill and it will make you feel better, so just take it. And she would mm-hmm. say, okay. And she was so confused. She'd be like, my doctor told me to take them. And yeah. it was uh, it was pretty blindsiding, and I think it's just... So sad, man, how sad she was and the amount of drugs she was taking because just being ignored by your romantic partner and, you know, the fallout of your corporation for, you know, supporting people through the AIDS epidemic and like, you know, bringing on the true quote unquote sinners that you're supposed to embrace and like saying it with her chest. And it was fucking stressing her out because she was doing stuff that she felt was right. And Jim ignored her for it because he was Mm -hmm. more focused on making money. At yeah. This point, that yeah, that was the actual um, missionary work of being a tele- yeah. televangelist. Yeah. <clears throat> and like, I think it was Tamu was a victim of circumstance for sure. Like you said, like it being kind of right at the time when we were just prescribing opiates for everything, and she started to become more vocal internally and push back on things, and basically got like modern day diagnosed with hysteria. Um, So it makes perfect sense how she fell down um, like a addiction and problem with pills. Yeah. They wouldn't even let, yeah. And they, they were so disrespectful to her and she was probably the most successful thing about that network. I don't think people were tuning in for anyone else. Yeah. I would, I would agree. Yeah. She would start talking. Her husband would be fucking talking and maybe like a phone call here, a phone call there. And then she would come in and start talking. Phones would be ringing off the hook, like Mm -hmm. making them a cash hand over fist. Yeah. She was just more personable, um, and so it made them a lot of money. And as Tammy became this beacon of hope and humanity, Jim was sinking the motherfucking ship. According to Tammy Facebook, Tammy's telling it my way, 
1980, Jim was introduced to a woman named Jessica Hahn at a hotel and encouraged to have sex with her, which he did. Years later, Jessica tells the story differently. Tammy states Jessica was sent to the hotel under the pretense that Jessica was there to babysit their children. Jessica was 21 at the time, religious, and looked up to Jim Baker. She felt he misused his powerful position and assaulted her, which led her to the Charlotte Observer because John Wesley Fletcher, who introduced Jim to Jessica, took $287,000 of PTL funds to silence her from coming out and talking about this assault. Sure, this still happens today. It's gross. Straight up. Um, also here, I just want to note that um, Jessica and Tammy um, did, like, reach out to each other later on in life and, like, like had this, like, moment of Tammy apologizing to her for everything that she had to go through and what happened and um, Jessica being, like, I'm so thankful for you. So, anyway, just a little, just a little boop there. Um, <clears throat> quote from Tammy telling it my way. Jerry Falwell had cleverly seized upon this time one of the lowest points in our lives to do his dirty work. Jerry Feldwell was a preacher known for creating the moral majority, a political Christian movement during the Reagan era and for creating Liberty university, a college based in fundamental Christian principles. When Falwell learned the Jessica story was about to break, he offered to step in and take over PTL against Tammy's wishes. She should have taken over. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. But Jim agreed and stepped down. According to Tammy, Falwell wanted to destroy PTL because he was trying to help Bush win the White House and was worried PTL would support Pat Robertson, who was considering, who was considering running for president, as we learned in the last episode. Mm -hmm. The last, last. <laughs> According to Tammy and Grunge.com, Falwell spread a rumor that Jim Baker was gay and that both the Bakers had extravagant paychecks and demands ruining their reputations. But the, as shitty as that rumor is, there was weight to it. Um, Tammy also had like her own theories as to why Jim was pulling away from her over the years. And it was probably because he had more access to men who looked up to him and would be willing to like perform sexually. Yeah, so the same guy who introduced him to Jessica, John Fletcher, is the same guy who the rumors came out about him having um, sexual relations with that man. Well, that man. You know. Um, and cannot confirm or deny it, but probably can just go ahead and confirm. <clears throat> and then Falwell began dismantling the company, laying people off and getting rid of property. According to the Belleville News, PTL filed for bankruptcy in 1987 and in 1988. Jim Baker was indicted for wire and mail fraud charges as part of an IRS investigation. In 1989, Jim was convicted and sentenced to 45 years in prison. Spoiler alert, he only served five. Investigations revealed that Jim had been misappropriating funds raised for Heritage USA to pay large salaries and bonuses in addition to overselling lifetime partnerships to the park per religion and politics, that website that you said needs to be <clears throat> separated. Mm -hmm. Despite this, Tammy stood by Jim through all the scandal, including several instances where she cried on camera defending him. <clears throat> but in 1992, while Jim was still in prison, Tammy filed for divorce saying in a letter to the New Covenant Church in Orlando, Florida, quote, For years I have been pretending that everything is all right, but in fact I hurt all the time. I cannot pretend anymore. And, well, it's, it's sad because you look at the, how their story started, and she was pushed aside for money time mm -hmm. and time again. Even when um, stuff started going south, Jim didn't care about her. He only cared about like the investors and the partners in the program. And Tammy was always pushed aside even with, and they would exploit her trauma too. They'd be like, you need to go on and talk about um, your pill addiction. She's like, Oh, yeah. I don't really want to do that. And they're like, well, it's good for ratings. And yeah. so, you know, it's 
which is so, I think he would have moved uh, oceans for her when they started dating. And then it's like to see how bad it disintegrated where he didn't give a fuck about her because of money. And she would hundred percent stood by him. Like, yeah. Even when he fucked up, she would, you know, it toxic positivity, like to a T she'd be like, well, this is just a really good learning experience then, isn't it? Mm -hmm. And he's just so fucking mean to her. Yeah. it, It was really brutal there at the end, but it's okay because Tammy ended up remarrying Roe Messner. If you remember from above. The, the guy who built builder. all the churches. You better believe it. The mega church builder. Um, Roe lost millions of dollars on Heritage USA. And both he and Tammy like had this mutual connection in wanting to rebuild their personal and professional lives after the fall of PTL. But, unfortunately, trouble only finds Miss Tammy Faye. Because Roe was sentenced to nearly three years in prison on bankruptcy fraud charges because he was concealing assets in his bankruptcy. Motherfucker. I know. He spent 27 months in prison before being able to reunite with Tammy. And while unfortunately Jim Baker is still alive, remarried, and currently hosts the Jim Baker Show, which focuses on the end times and the second coming of Christ while promoting emergency survival products and was recently sued by the state of Missouri for selling fake coronavirus cures. Oh, God. Look it up. I want to redirect into Tammy Faye, especially in these times. We deserve her. See, Tammy became somewhat of a gay icon. Mm-hmm. Her and literal Earth God, Princess Di, were some of the- f- of the podcast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They were some of the few people of power in the time of the AIDS crisis who gave compassion, love, and humanity. Most of the Christian community turned their backs to the LGBTQ people, and Tammy said, no way. Christian networks were promoting conversion therapy and Pray the Gay Away, and Tammy was going to Pride events, promoting and encouraging love and acceptance. She said, quote, I think I have a lot in common with the gay population because they've been made fun of and put down and misunderstood, and have and have had a really rough row to hoe in life. I row to hoe, huh? Yeah. I love that. Never heard that phrase before. Oh, Tammy, you icon. Right? She went on to create a talk show with Jim J. Bullock, an openly gay actor, and gave her renaissance in full credit to the support of the gay community. She became the subject of the documentary titled The Eyes of Tammy Faye, which came out in 2000 and was narrated by RuPaul. In early 2004, she appeared on the second season of VH1's The Surreal Life with Ron Jeremy, Vanilla Ice, Tracy Bingham, Eric Estrada, and Trishel Cantella. Yeah. She put on, <laughs> and then she put out her bestseller, I Will Survive and You Will Too. Of course, critics have come out to say there were limitations to Tammy's acceptance of the gay community, as in she wouldn't come out about gay marriage, but her live TV comments of, quote, No matter what happens to a young person in their life, they're still your boy, they're still your girl. End quote. Oh, wait, no, not end quote yet. And I think it's so important that we as mom and dad love through anything. End quote. I think that alone did a lot for the LGBTQ kids in evangelical homes. So Absolutely. Because it let parents know that it was okay to love your kids, but it also let like those hardcore evangelicals know that parents loving their kids is Condoned by Tammy Faye, which is like a good thing. You need people. If you are that caught up in something, sometimes you just need permission to that something's okay. And she had the power and the platform to push that through, which is amazing. Yeah, especially someone so in the thick of it. Like, yeah, you know. Oh, they were um, they were so mean to her for all of the stuff that they, she was doing. Like, yeah. just even like gaslit. Like, Tammy, you're just a woman. You don't know what real issues are. You'd be like, oh, yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And in March 2004, Tammy went on Larry King Live and announced that she had inoperable lung cancer and began chemotherapy. And I should also mention here, she'd like been battling chemo for, I think, like six years previous to this. Um, she would continue to go on Larry King and speak of chemo, the cancer's remission, and its brutal return. She was a guest by phone on Larry King in December of 2006, 
and said that she was receiving hospice care in her home. She appeared in her son Jay's documentary series, One Punk Under God, wherein they talked about her cancer treatments. And in one episode close to the end, she was she required the use of oxygen in order to talk. She experienced severe weight loss and panic attacks from her treatment. In May 2007, she issued a statement on her website saying that chemotherapy had stopped and she urged her fans to just continue to pray for her. On July 18, 2007, Tammy made her final appearance on Larry King Live. At the time, she weighed just 65 pounds and was unable to eat solid food. Tammy's husband, Roe, later said that he believed she chose to do this interview to say a final goodbye to her fans. On July 20th, 2007, Tammy died at her home in Lock Lloyd near Kansas City, Missouri, after an 11-year bout with cancer. She was 65 years old. But Tammy lives on. She lives on, baby. She lives on. She lives on in the stage musical titled The Gospel According to Tammy Faye. Another musical following her life titled Big Tent. It debuted in May of 2007 at an off-Broadway New World Stages in New York City. A play about her final hours titled Tammy Faye's Final Audition. It premiered at the Cincinnati Fringe Festival in 2015. And the play takes place in a fevered dream at the end of her life, wherein she enlists the men in her life for one final TV talk show audition, which sounds so fucking cool. I would love to see it. So fun. And, of course, in the 2000 or 2021 movie, The Eyes of Tammy Faye, which is based on the 2000 documentary of the same name, Jessica Chastain plays Tammy Faye and Andrew Garfield plays her husband, Jim. It's fucking incredible. So good. Um, The Eyes of Tammy Faye opened on September 17th, 2021, and Chastain won a Critics' Choice Award, a Screen Actors Guild Award, and the Academy Award for Best Actress for her performance. And, most recently and currently, British playwright james graham is also writing the book for a new musical about tammy faye with music by elton john and lyrics oh, by jake shears that's gonna be so good right and there it is just as she would have wanted it her legacy continues on yeah. in musical theater and that and is tammy faye oh the hero of the story yeah, the hero we needed and deserved. Imagine how successful she would have been without men. Honestly, men truly. Life. Dude, if she it, would just yeah. run off with that dude um, that was super nice to her, was it David Cobb or something? Yeah. Um, God, she would have been so happy. Yeah, that was something um, I didn't bring up in here. was <clears throat> just because, like, it's not. It doesn't matter. She Well, she talks about it in her book a little bit. And. Um, it, it was more of just like a friendship yeah. and Jim, like who had been cheating on her and was caught cheating on her and admitted cheating on her naturally, just like any other cheater just projected his yeah. bullshit and said that they were having an emotional affair. Um, when really he was just one of the few people who showed her kindness. Um, he so listened I left, to her I left singer that music. Out. That was it. She would just be like, yeah. see And he was like, you got real pretty voice. And, uh, uh, just yeah, he treated her with like a genuine respect, and she hadn't had that in so long. And then Jim destroyed that. Yeah, and like, like no, yeah, and and this was in the era of like Jim making fun of her and the way that she looked and did her makeup, and and he was like, yeah. I think you look great. You know what I mean? Just like just being a kind person. And yeah, so, and but naturally, Jim tried to say that like she had an emotional affair and made her like go on TV and you know. Say how much she loved her husband, yeah, and, like, her fucking up. But he never came out. He never, like, when his affair came out, it was, like, a fire drill of trying to get ahead of it. Yeah. Um, No, a thousand percent. Well, when it it came out, it wasn't even, like, about the affair. It was more about, like, the legality of trying to fucking give someone hush money. Um, Yeah. And another detail that I didn't add in there, but I guess it would be interesting to know, was, like, so towards the end of her life, she kept she would do um, multiple reappearances on Larry King, and it was mostly because like Larry King was chill with her. Yeah. And um, when she, um, right before she died, she let uh, Roe know that like I want when I pass, I want it to be Larry King who breaks the news specifically, and only I want him to be the first to do it. Mm-hmm. Um. So just like I don't know, she was just always such a 
I don't know what the word I'm looking for here is. She just had such convictions and morals and like yeah. it, it was, they never faltered, you know, even like when she was involved in the mess of the, where the money goes, I don't think she fully understood what was happening. I, I think she was in the naivety that comes with women who let men a hundred percent control their households. Yeah. Religions. It's, but it's also ignorance by being naive. So yeah. you can't a hundred percent dismiss it. Yeah. I think I just, I think that she put her message before like maybe the downfall of it and even being like on TV, like what I'm saying is important. So every, it's okay that this other stuff happens. I don't know though, because it, that's never really divulged of her knowing where the money was. Cause she didn't even know how much Jim made in a year. Yeah. Yeah. So I agree. I think it's a little bit of that ignorance is bliss, but also like sometimes we got to be like, you need to be held accountable for your yeah. ignorance. So, um, it's tough, but yeah, that's Tammy Faye. Um, <clears throat> and unrelated to Tammy Faye, but related to us. You can go to the link tree in all of our bios. Like, what's I'm you going to say? <laughs> <laughs> uh, nothing great. Just a plug. Uh, I'm at Noelle Fane. That is at Sith Lord. That Chelsea. God, I do that every time. Um, and you can find us at Go to Hell Podcast as well. If you click that link in the bio, it will bring you to uh, link tree, as I said, where you can first find pro-choice resources. Second, get some of our merch. Um, we've got cool fucking merch in there. We've got wanted poster merch, and we also still have the um, Protect Trans Kids merch, where 100% of the proceeds are donated to um, trans organization. We have our Patreon link, which is one of my, uh, you know, totally unbiased opinion, one of my favorite things. We had a very fun um, and loud and emotional episode um, this week, and a dollar gets you in. But please remember that you signed an NDA, so you can't say shit to nobody. Yeah, snitches get stitches, motherfuckers. Straight up. You can also find a link to Kelly's stickers um, or at Wildwood Owl on Etsy. She makes our cool shit, and she also makes her own cool shit, so check it out. You can get a link to our Discord server, which is always a good time. You can also find our um, private Facebook group if you're a boomer. Um, you can follow us on Twitter. And um, like always, uh, if you're listening to us, I don't know why you would need this, but you can also find our Spotify and um, Apple Podcast links in there as well. Um, and, you know, Tammy was always a big fan of telling people to always be true to themselves, right? Didn't matter what anyone else said. And so that's yep. why I, especially now, today, in this climate, politically, human rights-wise, I want to say, hail Satan. Hail Tammy Faye. And her eyelashes. Especially her eyelashes. Put them on real thick tomorrow just for her. Do it. Triple that mascara. Oh, love to see it. Okay, bye. Bye.